I want you to imagine yourself blessed, highly favored, and doors open, wholeness, healing. Imagine yourself in a place with no lack. Psalm 3410. Imagine yourself in a place where you have no... I'm not talking about everything's perfect. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Psalm 8411. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. Do you understand you're here not because you had everything right? Because he, you were protected. He watched over you to bring us to this moment. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly before him. Now we're made righteous by the blood of Jesus. It's not about performance. No, your performance is connected to identity. When you know who you are because you've discovered who he is, all of a sudden, everything that you struggle with is not a struggle anymore. I want to take you over to a covenant. We're going to begin in Genesis 15. We're going to Genesis 45. We'll probably go to 1 Corinthians 1.30. We'll probably go to Hebrews chapter number 6, verse 4. We're going to use some scripture. I want to take you on a path of understanding the heart of the Father. And we're going to talk about covenant. Look at your neighbor and tell them the wagons are coming. <laughs> this is Abraham. This is an Abraham covenant. And when you look at the Strongs, it, it gives us a, a very important picture. A Abraham said, Lord, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit the promise. And the Lord said, take a heifer, three years old, uh, uh, the cattle, the goat, the ram, the turtle dove, and the pigeon. That's the five sacrifices. I could go into detail about what they each represent. But God said, and he took him, all these divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another with a path between except the birds. When the fowls came down, the buzzards came down, to consume, Abraham drove this, the buzzard, the vultures. And some scholars say this is a picture of the demonic forces that don't want that covenant to happen. And, and they're coming down to rob the sacrifice. You understand, they, they, still, they don't have any new tricks. They still want to steal your sacrifice. But Abraham drove them away. And look at what happens. It said, when the fowls came down, he drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. He, he went into a trance. I believe he's in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit is involved. And lo, a horror fell of great darkness fell upon him. And he said to Abraham, Abram, know of a surety that your seed shall be a stranger in a land that's not theirs. And shall serve them, they shall afflict them 400 years. 
and also that nation whom they shall serve I will judge, and afterwards they shall come out with great substance. And you shall go to thy fathers in peace, you shall be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again for the iniquity. I'm going to wait for the Amorites' sin and iniquity to be full so that I can do what I intend to do, fulfill my intention. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace. There, that smoking furnace, uh, one translation says a pot, it represents the Father. And a burning lamp, that represents Jesus. Passed between those pieces. Now notice, Abram is over there, he's in a... He's in the, I believe he's in the spirit. The Bible calls it a trance, but he's a deep sleep. He knows what's going on, but he's not involved. He's sitting there and God is doing something on man's behalf. It says that in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying unto your seed, have I given this land for the river of Egypt all the way to the great river, the river Euphrates. And then he talks about how he's going to drive out all of the enemies. Now, if you look in the Passion, uh, let me read a little bit there. When the sun has set, it was very dark. There suddenly appeared a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch that passed between the split carcasses. On that day, Yahweh, Yahweh entered into covenant with Abram. It means to cut. I've given this land to your descendants from the Egyptian river to the great river Euphrates, the entire land of all the enemies, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, the Rephites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites, and all the termites. <laughs> Every ite, I've given you the land. Now, let me tell you something about covenant. Let's, let's, I wanna, let's, let's go over to... Let's go to Hebrews next. Verse 13 in chapter 6 of Hebrews. This is important. Now when God made a promise, this is the passion, to Abraham, since there was no one greater than himself, he swore an oath on his own integrity. When, he, when there was, there's no one greater he swore by himself in this covenant. He swore an oath on his integrity. This, this is important to know because uh, it, it means he's going to keep the promise as sure as God exists. It means that if, you know, when the United States made covenant with the Indians, they broke the covenant. The Indians do not have a word for a broken covenant. They, they don't have a word for it. Neither does the scripture have a, a word for a broken covenant. Because it's not supposed to happen. As a matter of fact, God is saying to Abraham, Abraham, if I don't keep this covenant, which is impossible. He's not a man that he should lie. He, he is faithful to his covenant. He's essentially saying, if I were not to keep this covenant with you and for you, I would cease to exist. It says, so have no doubt. I promise to bless you over and over and give you a son and multiply you without measure. So Abraham waited patiently in faith and succeeded in seeing the promise fulfilled. It was very common for people to swear an oath by something greater than themselves for the oath will confirm their statements and end all dispute. 
So in the same way God wanted to end all doubt and confirm it more forcefully to those who would inherit His promises, His purpose was unchangeable, so God added His vow to the promise. So it is impossible for God to lie. For we know that His promise and His vow will never change. And now we have run into His heart to hide ourselves in His faithfulness. This is where we find His strength and comfort for He empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time and unshakable hope. It's not wishful thinking. It's who God is. We have this certain hope like a strong unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God Himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold and where Jesus our forerunner has gone in before us he is now forever our royal priest our high priest after Melchizedek turn to Genesis 45 17 I'm going to read this from the message I want you to see this plan probably go to first Peter 1 as well I love the word Remember, Abraham had a son named Isaac, son of promise. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Abraham and Isaac are dead in Genesis 45. Jacob has sons. He has one son named Joseph. Remember, his brothers despised him because Jacob delighted in this son. He made him a coat of many colors. It's a picture type in shadow of Jesus, which means that this coat of many colors represents the God of many nationalities. Don't matter what color you are. This is a picture of the nations of God. And, and his brothers despised him. So they put him in a pit, sold him to the, uh, to the Midianites. They took him into Egypt, sold him to Potiphar. Potiphar, uh, his wife lied on him. He got put in prison. Uh, he went to prison and interpreted a, a dream for Pharaoh and was promoted to second in command. And then the Lord showed Pharaoh a dream that there's going to be a... Uh, he, he showed him a dream, and I won't go on into all the types and the shadows, and it meant that there was going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. None of his magicians could interpret the dream. So he, the, the guy that, that lived from the prison, one of them got, got executed, and the other one lived, said, oh, I remember a young man in prison that can interpret dreams. Pharaoh sends for him. He interprets the dream and he, he, and he puts him second in charge. And Joseph stores up and, and comes up with a plan to have plenty when the famine comes. Here is the unfolding of how the family is brought back together. Look at somebody again and tell them the wagons are coming. Joseph has gone from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison. But God had a plan all along. It was just a stop on the way to the palace. Pharaoh said to Joseph, he hears that his brothers had come to Egypt. The ones that sold him didn't know who Joseph looked like an Egyptian now. And he's dressed in the royal regal robes of second in command. And he has authority. And his brothers comes to ask for food because there's a famine going on. 
And Joseph recognizes his brothers. And we know how it begins to unfold. Joseph has to go in another room and weep because he remembers his family. Family is important. It's a gift from God. The enemy hates families. So Pharaoh found out that Joseph's family had come and he said, tell your brothers, this is the plan. Come on, how many know that here is a, a king that doesn't know God? He, he, they worship idols. But God is using a man that don't even know God to bring people that he loved, that he was in covenant with, that he never forgot what he did back over there in Genesis 15 with Abraham. Your seed shall inherit the land. <coughs> I'm going to bless you so that everybody else is blessed by the blessing that's placed on you. Amen. We're living in a time when, when people are so, and he's a need meter. You understand that we're in this place where people are living for themselves. But when you give yourself away, this is what the father's saying to Abram as he makes covenant. He said, I'm totally giving myself to you, to your children, to your seed. And this is what I'm going to do for you. Because I, I am a God of covenant. I'm the father Yahweh of covenant. He said, I'm going to bless you and everybody else is going to be blessed. And we find Joseph is there, even though if you read the, the historical uh, uh uh, writing of what happened to Joseph every time it said, but the Lord was with him. In the pit, Potiphar's house, and the palace, uh, the prison, the Lord was with him. You know he's with him in the palace. But there's a timing. And it says, this is the plan, Joseph. Tell your brothers to load up the pack, their pack animals and go to Canaan. Get your father, your families, and bring them back here. I'll settle you on the best land in Egypt. Whoa, talk about a turnaround and favor. You live off the fat of the land. Also tell them, here's what I want you to do. Take wagons from Egypt to carry your little ones, your wives, and load your father up and come back. Don't worry about having to leave things behind. The best in all Egypt will be yours. The wagons are coming. Jacob is back home. He's thinking his son is dead. And he's probably still grieving over the loss of his son. And the Bible said they did just that. The sons of Israel, who was, remember Jacob's the one that wrestled with God all night. And God changed his name from, from deceiver, grabber, to Israel because he had power with God. He had a hunger for God and God changed his identity. I, I believe that was his identity all the time. That God had intention to call him Israel. So don't let anybody put a title or a tag on you because of your past. Don't let anybody look at you and measure you by what's happened to you, by, by the, uh, any kind of catastrophe, even choices that you made in your past. Don't let anybody put a tag or title on you because only he can give you your identity. And let me tell you, he loves you. Woo. He loves you. He'll meet you right where you are. And the Bible says that they did that and they loaded the wagons that Pharaoh promised and fooded for the trip. He outfitted all the brothers in brand new clothes. 
He gave Benjamin, the youngest son, 300 pieces of silver. That's 10 times the price of a slave. 300 pieces of silver and several suits of clothes. He sent his father these gifts, 10 donkeys loaded with Egypt's best products and another 10 donkeys loaded with grain and bread and provisions for his father's journey. Then he sent his brothers off as they left. He told them, take it easy on the journey. Try to get along with each other. (laughs) Come on, you know how siblings are, right? I used to be a terror to my younger sister. We're okay now. But I would put... Hot chili pepper in her biscuits. I'm telling you, let me just be transparent. That was another day, another time. One time I cooked eggs and I put green food and coloring in hers and handed them to her. She started crying. (laughs) I threw them out. The dogs wouldn't even eat them. But you understand that, that, that God brought me through all of that twisted kind of thinking that I would get my sister, try to get her in trouble, but she always got me in trouble. And I always would tremble when mom would say, just wait till your daddy gets home. And uh, it was like that. So I, I understood that honesty is the best policy and try to get along because God created us for a relationship. He created us, and, and, and I'm older, and I'm much wiser, and I look back, and boy, I, I wish I could change some things, but I can't, right? So it's all under the blood. He said, take it easy on the journey. Try to get along. They left Egypt, went back to their father Jacob in Canaan. When they told him Joseph is still alive, he's the ruler over the whole land of Egypt, he went numb. The Bible said he, uh, the King James says he fainted, and he didn't believe them. But the more they talked, telling him everything that Joseph had told them when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him back, the blood started flowing again. His spirit revived. And Jacob said, Israel said, I've heard enough. My son is still alive. I got to go see him before I die. Come on. You understand God knows how. Sometimes when we're going through the, the hard stuff, and we feel a sense of loss. Sometimes when it feels like that nothing's going to ever be the same and there'll never be a new normal again. Let me tell you, it's okay not to have another new normal because always when God does something, he, put it, he puts it back better than when it was before because that's just his MO. That's the way he operates. He puts it back better than it was. And let me tell you, he's not going to let up on you. He's not going to loosen his grip on your life because he loves you that that much. He's in covenant with you. If he broke his covenant with you, he would cease to exist. So, so that's impossible. The wagons are coming. Joseph didn't believe him. He looked up and he saw wagon train. Let me tell you, this was a moment in Jacob's life that caused him to hope. And he, I'm sure he remembered the covenant that God had made with his, with his grandfather. 
I'm sure he remembered the promise. It had been rehearsed to him that God's going to bless you. You're the seed of Abraham. And you're going to be blessed because God is not a man that he should lie. Let me take you to another passage. Okay? It's important that we, that we put the word uh, in there, measure the word. In Hebrews 6, it goes on to say in verse 18, So it's impossible for God to lie. We know that his promise and his vow will never change. And now we've run into his heart. We read that. We have this certain hope, this unbreakable hope. <clears throat> That gives us comfort and peace. Now look over to 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 15. Remember Peter? Same one that denied he knew Jesus three times. Same one that cut off the high priest soldier's ear. Same one that got in trouble over and over because he was really headstrong, probably the oldest of all the disciples. He's writing this letter. Instead, he said, don't shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. Oh, I want to be like him. I want to be a reflection of my father. I want him to be manifested through my living. You know, when, when you give yourself to someone, here's what the father does. He totally gives himself to you without losing himself. And you can totally give yourself to him without losing yourself because he doesn't change us and make us into robots. And I'm telling you, I've discovered God's not a micromanager. He wants to be involved every in every detail of your life. And I know that because over in Genesis it said he brought all the animals to Adam to see what Adam was going to name them. If he had been a micromanager, he had given Adam a, a kind of list of things that he wanted. But he didn't. I think God just sat down over there and said, go ahead, son, name them. I want you to see the heart of the Father. There's a rest. There's a place of rest, confident rest. When you understand He's not looking to see what you can do. He's looking to see if you know who you are. Here's what happened. He says, instead shape your lives like the Holy One who called you for. The scripture has said, you are holy because I am holy. Now the King James says, be holy for God is holy. Let me tell you what that word holy means. Everything about God is holy. True holiness includes justice, mercy, truth, and righteousness. Now let me tell you about justice. In Psalm 36, it says, his, his, his mercy reaches to the heavens, loving kindness. His faithfulness reaches to the clouds. His righteousness is like the great mountains, and his judgment reaches to the depths of the sea. That word judgment is really the word justice. It means when in your life, 
justice, judgment, justice seems uh, to be delayed. When, when it seems like you've been abused and you've been looked at and you've been measured and you've been tagged and titled because of your status or because of what you own or because who you are, you understand that when, when that seems to be the, the, the place that you are in your life, that means that God, when, when injustice prevails, God knows how to set things right. Joseph, you think he experienced some injustices? Absolutely. But it was all on the path that God was going to set things right because he's a covenant-keeping God. We understand to be holy is to be absolutely devoted to God in all that we do. That don't mean we stop living. And we become paranoid. And we say, what if? No, no. God don't want us to live in the what if. He wants us to live in the why not. Look at your neighbor and tell him the wagons are coming. And they're coming for you. Why not? That's where he wants you to live. So to be holy is to be absolutely devoted, demonstrating who he is to the world. Holiness surrounds God's throne and we are seated with him in heavenly places according to Ephesians 2 verse 6. The Hebraic concept of holiness means to be set apart. It means that we are a people that set apart for God even as God is set apart from all gods. Grace embedded holiness into our lives. Yet we're to make right choices and to yield to Christ and God's word as the Holy Spirit lives in us. Holiness is not merely actions we perform, but what we absorb and manifest. As we live our lives in God's presence, Christ is our holiness. Ooh, I feel a streak of glory. What I think about how that is so true in our life. It brings us to a place where we're at liberty and freedom now. We don't have to put on holiness. It's not what you wear. Come on. We don't have to. You can't wear holiness. We have to let holiness wear us. If holiness wears you, guess what? You're going to wear what's right. Oh, let, don't let me be a clothesline preacher, Lord. Here. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go there, but yeah, went there anyway. Hallelujah. Woo. I heard my share of clothesline preachers, and boy, it never worked. Yeah, I'm telling you. Every time I heard that, you know, I had to get saved every week because I heard about a new sin I'd committed. <laughs> Come on, somebody. So I've discovered his blood is enough and I'm at rest in my, in my Savior's idea about me. Well, let me read on. Since you're call, you, you call on him as your heavenly father, the impartial judge who judges according to each one's works. The Aramaic can be tra- translated, no one will put on a face mask before him. Take that, COVID. (laughs) Come on, let's take it a little further. (laughs) He's not just talking about a mask. 
of trying to be somebody he, he didn't create you to be. But I heard the Holy Spirit say, take that, COVID. Come on. Ooh, I'm going to preach now. I feel, I feel my daddy junior rise up in me just then. Pray for me. <laughs> I rode the turning point the other day on the motorcycle and I had my leather chaps. It was 40 degrees and I, I was pretty warm when I got there, but when I got off, a guy looked at me across the yard and he said, boy, he said, that looks pretty cool. He said, I got one grievance with you. I said, what is it? He said, you got Hoka tennis shoes on with your chaps. I said, I'm my daddy's son and I don't care. <laughs> I go for comfort anytime more than looks, right? And he's okay with that. So... He said, he said, live each day with holy awe and reverence throughout your time on earth. For you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation. It was not a ransom payment of silver and gold, which eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that your blood redeems us from the curse of the law. Thank you that the precious blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness so that we stand before you and we're holy. Thank you for the precious blood that justifies me so that I can stand freely before you as a son of God. My elder brother is Jesus and I'll stand before you just and you accept me in the beloved because of what Jesus gave me. Thank you for the blood that sanctifies me and sets me apart from profane things and gives me the, the, the knowledge that you've set me apart unto yourself so that I can give myself totally to you without fear, without fear of retribution, without fear of punishment, without fear of judgment because perfect love gives me, makes me free from feeling like I'm going to be judged. Come on, somebody. It casts out fear. Fear because fear has torment and fear only means you're afraid of judgment. That's what happens when people People don't know who he is. When you understand his love is unshakable. It's unmovable. And how he feels about you, it'll bring you into a realm that, that, that no one at the world cannot give you. <clears throat> Hang with me. <clears throat> Thank you for the blood that gives me abundant life. Overflow more than enough. Remember the widow of Zerphath? Elijah shows up. God had told him, he said, I spoke to a widow woman there to feed you. Well, she didn't know anything about it. Because when he got there, he said, what are you doing? She said, I'm picking up sticks so I can cook the last cake for me and my son and we're going to die because there's a famine. Elijah said, make me some first. Here's a picture of serving the word. Make me a cake first. And then you and your son, you understand when, when she, <clears throat> thank you, Timothy, <clears throat> when she made that cake, thank you. I can take it down, I'm telling you, yeah. <clears throat> when she made that cake, her flower pot didn't overflow. 
the oil of the cruise of oil didn't run over. Every day she woke up, she had enough. Every her her meal did not go barren, and her oil did not cease until the famine was over. Come on and look at somebody and tell them the wagons are coming. I'm talking about covenant because when she came into covenant with the understanding of the will and the word of God, that that what she had that was about to run out, God said, I'm going to multiply it. I'm not into addition. I'm into multiplication. I want you to experience a multiplicity of my love and my provision in your life. What an opportunity. If you have a need today, what an opportunity. The wagons are coming. <laughs> Thank you for the precious blood that gives me mercy. The mercy. Good to see Penny. God bless you, sweetie. So good to see you. He's in, he's in the house, isn't he? Woo. Woo. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. Thank you, Lord, for the mercy, the love, and kindness that's preserved me these years, oh God. You kept me for a reason. Lord, I thank you, Father, that I'm not spinning my wheels anymore. (laughs) Come on, you understand. I started out in ministry. I thought I needed to be like other preachers and I thought I needed to do this and do that. And the Lord said, you can just wear yourself out. But I want to tell you, I got a seat by me. There's a place by me. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and cover your face. Where you won't see anything but my hand. And just at the right moment, I'm going to cause all my goodness to pass before you. Come on. Moses said, show me your glory. And God said, I'm going to show you my goodness. Because there's one in the same. Come on, I'm going to show you my... And the Bible said, I I can almost see him, Brother John. This man knows the word. I love this man. This family. I often wondered, I said, I wonder what the lifeline of God looks like. Does he have one? He, no, he is the lifeline. He moved his hand and Moses was so overwhelmed by the presence and the glory of God. This is, this is another glory. You understand the Old Testament is a book of questions. The New Testament is a book of answers. Get your questions answered in the New Testament. But the promises made in the Old as well. Jesus is on every page. It says, this was, wait, wait. Who like a spotless lamb, unblemished lamb was sacrificed for us. One more, thank you for the blood that gives us access into the Holy of Holies that we might find Mercy and grace to help in time of need. Boldness. You understand what boldness that that means? That you don't have to go timid, 
with timidity before the Father. He wants you to be able to talk to him like his, your daddy. Abba, religion, they, they cringe. I'm not talking about anybody here, and I'd never point my finger or make anybody feel bad if they're trapped in that idealism. Because Abba, the Greeks borrowed that from the Aramaic, what Jesus spoke, and it means calling. That, that's what the, the children called their, their dads in that day, Abba. It was a tender affection that they're calling him Daddy. That's a relationship. That, that's not disrespect. That is a, an intimate relationship to be able to talk to your father like that. So he says, this was part of God's plan. For he was chosen and destined for this before the foundation of the world was laid. But he has made manifest in these last days for you. It's through him that you now believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that you would fasten your faith and hope in God alone. And this is the word that was announced to you, the word, the good news, the, 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 the best news, the, gooders, the goodest news we ever heard. I got to go one more place. Would you go with me? Let me see if I can find it. You pray for me. It's, it's only 12.04, and I hadn't been preaching that long, so. <laughs> yeah, 1 Corinthians. Chapter, chapter 1, verse 27. But God chose those whom the world considers foolish to shame those who think they're wise. For, and God chose the puny and the powerless to shame the high and the mighty. He chose the lowly, the laughable, and the world's eyes. Nobody's so that he would shame the somebodies. I like that. For he chose what is regarded as insignificant in order to supersede what is regarded as prominent. So that there would be no place for prideful boasting in God's presence. For it's not from man that we draw our life, but from God. Why? Because of covenant. As we are being joined to Jesus, the anointed one, now he is our God given wisdom, our virtue, our holiness, and our redemption. The King James said he's our wisdom, our sanctification, our righteousness. And it says that he is our redemption. This fulfills what is written. Anyone who boasts, let him only boast in all that the Lord has done. The wagons are coming. I want to know this morning if, if you have a need. I want to do something. I want a prayer line right here. We're not going to... Six seconds. You know what six seconds does? It keeps, keeps me from... From feeling like that I prayed the prayer. Come on, you understand. Faith is what touches God. Faith pleases God. We don't have to beg God for anything. 
I'll tell you what, I want you to do something. If you just are believing for a need, a, sit, a situation in your life, and you need to see the wagons coming, that God's already been, while you're in your moment, remember, Abram is a darkness. In the darkness, God showed up to make a covenant. Do you know when Jesus hung on the cross, there was no other man. It was the same picture of a father making covenant on our behalf because Jesus came as us. He came on our behalf and he hung on the cross so that 2,000 years ago, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm living. It's not me living. It's Christ living in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God, what he believes about me. That I am the beloved. You are beloved. Stand with me. I want you to just, instead of forming a line, if if you need just a six-second prayer, I'm telling you, God's going to move because of who he is. And because he loves us so much, he's a need meter. I just want you to step out in the aisle right there. I'll come to you. Just step out in the aisle if you're believing God for a breakthrough of any kind. Yeah, come on. Come on, just step out in the aisle. Jesus, Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Thank you, Lord. Now, I want you to know that I'm reminded time and time again how the Lord said, at one time I, I used to pray, Lord, use me. And the Holy Spirit really quickened me. He's not reprimanding me. He's just correcting me. He said, I'm not going to use you. I said, I don't understand. He said, have you never read where they went everywhere preaching the gospel and the Lord working with them? Go ahead and let me work with you. So guess what? Him and me, he's in you. There's a shift coming. One you've been really believing God for. You've been wondering. I just came to tell you. I I just felt quickened by the Holy Spirit to tell you, look for the wagons because they're about to show up. The wagons are coming.